Hello listeners, would you consider buying me a cup of coffee? I hope you would. Through the link, Buy Me a Coffee, which I've added recently to my show notes, you can support homeschooling matters and you can also support my blog, Chronicles of an Outnumbered Mom on WordPress. You can do so by simply buying me a cup of coffee for $5 or several cups of coffee for up to $25. Your support can be a one-time support or it can be monthly. You choose. Whatever you do, I'll appreciate it and I'll be grateful. I hope to continue bringing you content that's invaluable as I've been told that this content is that will keep you motivated and encouraged on this journey called homeschooling as well as your parenting journey. So if you'd consider buying me a cup of coffee, just click on the link below and follow the instructions. Thanks again. Hello listeners and welcome once again to another episode of Homeschooling Matters where we talk about matters pertaining to homeschooling as well as the value of homeschooling. And because as homeschooling parents, we spend a lot more time with our children than the average parent who works outside of the home, we will be discussing some parenting matters as well. And for today's episode, that's exactly a case in point, because what we will be discussing, the topic of our discussion, has to do with your children, whether they are homeschooled or not. We are going to be talking once again about the special needs child. And in this particular instance, I know the minute you think or you hear the words special, needs, you immediately or automatically think of the child that has a learning challenge or some measure of disability. You may think about the child with ADD or ADHD, the autistic child, the child with dyslexia, but that's not what it's going to be about. Today is actually, we're going to be flipping the script on special needs and we're going to be talking about something that most people find themselves boasting about and that's the child with the special need of giftedness, the child that is the gifted child. Now, any one of you who has been listening to my podcast, anybody who has been following me on Facebook, especially through my page Made in His Image Consultancy Services, you would know that I believe wholeheartedly that every single child is gifted. I believe that they just unwrap their gifts or their presence at different times. So one child's giftedness may manifest itself from a very, very young age. You know, that's the, the, the prodigy who at the age of three can play Bach and, 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 and Chopin and different things like that on the piano, who can just listen and articulate what was said and just listen and be able to play everything without musical notes, but then you also have the gifted child who shows up in another way. A child whose giftedness may be a little bit more delayed. A child who may be gifted in the arts. A child who may be gifted in terms of their spatial awareness. A child who is gifted in academia. So whatever the child's giftedness is, we're going to be discussing that today. And I have with me on the line, none other than Dr. Fiona Rajkumar. She's been on this podcast at least twice before. She's no stranger to homeschooling matters. In fact, she's the one that manages, she's the admin for the Homeschool Association of Trinidad and Tobago's Facebook page. And her husband is now the acting president of the association. So I want to welcome on the line, uh, Dr. Fiona Rajkumar. You've heard from her before, but I'll tell her once again, just give a quick Quick, quick, quick um, recap of who she is, just, you know, what she does, and so on. So, Fiona, welcome. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you very much, Nick. Uh, just in terms of a short introduction, um, my name is Fiona Rajkumar. I'm the homeschooling mom of two girls, Ashka, 
um, to be 12 in a month. And Alina, who is seven, we've been homeschooling uh, pretty much since we've had the children. Uh, I also lecture in at the University of the Caribbean. Okay, great. Great. So welcome back. <laughs> You've been here before. So Fiona, we know that giftedness takes on many different forms. Can you can you identify what is giftedness? Okay, so um, there is no say portrait of giftedness. Uh, the, the term giftedness is no gifted. It's a complex um, At the beginning, you know, Nick mentioned um, that uh, every child is gifted, and that is true. Each child comes with their own uh, natural talents and abilities. Some of them we see those up front. Some of them um, may come across as being delayed. Um, they call uh, multiple intelligences, um, by how it ways that, that people are intelligent. And so academic intelligence is just one of those ways. So giftedness, um, there's a bit of a special definition for, uh, for giftedness outside of multiple intelligences. And so I, I will read a definition from the National Association for Gifted Children um, that operates in the U.S. And it says, giftedness is asynchronous development in which advanced cognitive abilities and heightened intensity combine to create an inexperience and awareness that are qualitatively different from the norm. This asynchrony increases with higher intelligent intellectual capacity. The uniqueness of gifted of the gifted render them particularly vulnerable and requires uh, modifications in parenting, teaching, and counseling in order to help them develop optimally. And so, one of the things to note with children who um, who are gifted is that there seems to be a, a biochemical state of the neurons in their brain uh, that is different from children who are um, not gifted, right? And so because of that, it affects um, their ability for greater retention and integration. Now, there, there, can, there are many different categorizations for gifted children, uh, but I'll just give two. One is the, accel the accelerated gifted student, and so they would be the one that you may see manifest early. They have the ability to learn and recall large amounts of information, very uh, efficient uh, processors. Mm -hmm. They crave new information, harder problems. Uh, they do well with skill building, and they're very logical in terms of the processing. Now, one of the things uh, people mean is with gifted children is that whole statement I made at the beginning with the, the concept of asynchrony. Asynchrony means a child's the ability, abilities that people think make a child gifted and on the same level as the other parts of them. And so that's really one of the things that makes gifted children different. They are not mature for their age. They don't often do well um, emotionally because mentally and cognitively, they're very different from what you call atypical children. Right. right? So their, their emotional needs, so for instance, the, the accelerated learner, can become very frustrated when they feel as though they're blocked. And sometimes that frustration will come across others as rudeness or sometimes depression. So, 
struggling with feelings of failure because they drive themselves in particular ways. They may need help with social skills. And then there's the enhanced gifted learner. And the enhanced gifted learner is that child who has the ability to form a relationship with a particular area, a particular topic. And so they become immersed in whatever they're learning. They're highly emotional as well, uh, very motivated, uh, experiment. So they would be the artists, the musicians, the dancers, the writers, the political activists. Right. Um, right? And, and, and the thing is, interestingly enough, something with the enriched learners is that they don't really care about what other people think and they don't really care to achieve and so again, to debunk a myth about giftedness, giftedness is not, you have children who are very intelligent and very bright and they will excel, um, excel academically. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you find gifted children, they're not concerned about um, doing that. It's just they a byproduct. Will. It's just a byproduct of who they are. Correct. Mm-hmm. correct. They, yeah, correct. They, they will and they can. Often you find the children are very much into, um, by, by nature, they're very justice-oriented. So mm. if they're in a school system, they think that they don't have a space. And, and some of them, of course, some of them do not know that they're gifted yet. Their parents may suspect it. You know, they may see the differences. Um, and the differences, are, again, as I said, the differences would not just be in cognitive ability. They will see other differences in terms of their emotions, how they interact with people, their intent, what is called their intensities. They're very intense. Um, and then so what you find is that these children, um, some of them underperform or they don't perform at all because instinctively they know that they're not in an, in an environment that caters to their needs, right? Okay. Uh, some of the characteristics of a gifted child, um, there are a whole lot, I'll just give a few. Right. Um, you find babies who are they're unusually alert. Um, they have challenges sleeping. They, 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 they seem to be resisted. They don't seem to need as much sleep as the regular child. Okay, hold a second. Put a pin in that there for me, Fiona, because this is like, just last night, Jimmy and I were saying, oh my goodness. Now, okay, guys, we're not going to be boasting here that we have gifted children. Like I said, I believe that all children are gifted. But in the context of what we're discussing here right now, Fiona, just last night, um, I started to clean out. Jimmy had gone to prayer. I didn't make it out yesterday evening. And so he was gone. And he ended up staying a little longer because he was catching up with a friend who had migrated to Colorado and had just come back. Uh, so he was there chatting. I said, you know what? I'm tired. Of- my room was a little messy. So I said, let me just start cleaning my room. And the littles, of course, they look for every excuse not to go to bed. So that's Joey, Jesse, and Kiara. And they decided they're going to clean out the littles' room, the, the boys' room, because Kiara's not in that room. But she makes mess in the room. And so they, su- they said, Mommy, you want to clean the room? I said, okay, go ahead. I'm working. You all could work as well. So they're cleaning out the room. Jimmy comes home maybe sometime around maybe after 9 o'clock um, from chatting with his friends and stuff. And they are still at it. I am finished cleaning my room. I mean, and my room is huge compared to theirs. And they were still at it. And they were playing they are very innovative. I, I have to give them that. They find anything and they could turn it into something completely different. And it makes sense. It's like you look at it and say, like, wow, you know, I didn't think about it that way. But how they are able to look at things and make something else out of it is really, really, I'm amazed at their innovation. I'm amazed at their creativity. And it was about 11 o'clock last night because I lost track of the time. I was busy doing some other things. Jimmy was crashing. 
um, and the other, well, the older ones are around. That's the thing. When you have older children and younger children, it's things that the, the older ones do not get to do. <laughs> the younger ones kind of get away, it seems, unscathed because it's kind of hard to corral them and tell them, okay, lights out. And then they have others walking up and down through and through the same space. So what eventually ended up happening was that um, at 11 o'clock, I went to them as I like, guys, do you all know what time it is? It was like minutes to 11. Do you all know what time it is? And they were like, like happily saying, well, no. I said, well, it's, it's like four hours past your bedtime because their bedtime is 7.30. And even though they're tucked into their room at 7.30, they never fall asleep at 7.30. But because I have to manage so many of them during the course of the day, Fiona, for my sanity, you need to be in your bedroom by 7.30. You can stay on your bed. You could talk as much as you want. But at 7.30, mommy's, that, that's it. <laughs> bedtime. And um, yeah, and so when I got back to bed, I was saying, Jimmy, how is it? How is it? that they they stay up so late right in the dark sometimes if you pass the check-in on them because they're hearing them laughing and giggling and stuff and when you go check on them they're off the bed because it's a bunk bed they're off the bed and they're playing they're climbing they're doing all manner of things in the dark and then they get up bright and early the crack of dawn in the, the next morning so i was telling jimmy how how do they play so hard every single day go to sleep don't take naps and then they're still up at the crack of dawn how <laughs> but continue you were talking about the fact that they don't need so much sleep so I'm, it just had me wondering <laughs> yes many of them don't need um the same amount of sleep um they're often self-taught so you find um where reading is concerned um they they are able to to teach themselves those who are they're those who are intuitive readers right and they're able to teach themselves reading from very young uh with my first daughter this is this is what sort of got me a little bit it, it sort of heightened my awareness mm -hmm. um i remember when she when she was maybe about 10 months she she learned the alphabet on her own and then when we started a little bit of formal schooling mm -hmm. um with her when she was about two and when i mean formal i mean just uh, you know give her puzzles and those kinds of things to play with right um we had the plan of you know you, you introduce the letters and the letter sounds and so we were going to the program. I was going to the program with her, um, but I realized that that she would just after two videos she knows this. After another two videos she knows this, and so in in the space of about a month she she did the work that I had for her to do in a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. And so I just I just learned at her pace. At the time we had her, we were doing the experiments and we had her in um, a preschool. And um, there were times, many times I'd have to take her out of the class um, just to do extra stuff with her on the side. Because, a lot because of you the, were present. You were at the preschool with her. I was there. Right. I, I, I was a volunteer. I was there. And so I, was there. I would look at her interactions and I realized that, that, that she, there were other things that I needed to do with her that we would not have been able to do in the context of the preschool. And so eventually, um, eventually we, we came out so that we could go, I could go more at her pace mm -hmm. and so she would have been one of those what you call intuitive readers and so um i guess what alerted me even more we were just having her assess and um the person was talking the person spoke to me about her reading and was asking well who taught her to read i'm like well i can't really say i taught her to read um i just gave her some tools and guided her along and she just went really rapidly yeah um you know and, and how so, old was she at this time about three years old yeah she was Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. And um, and so with her, 
Uh-huh. Her giftedness appears to manifest itself as the enriched learner, mm-hmm. where you are able to sort of absorb yourself in a particular area and excel at it very quickly. Right. <coughs> um, when she was younger, it was very frustrating for her and us because of the way she would drive herself. Mm-hmm. So she would be writing, and if it wasn't perfect or if she didn't like it, she would rip it out. And so she would have these books with these ripped out pages, ripped out covers. Mm-hmm. Um, because she just wasn't pleased. And it, it was a bit heart-wrenching, you know. Um, and so I had to spend a lot of time with her, just reassuring her, telling her it was okay. Um, that, you know, just, just to help her regulate herself. Because I couldn't go into her mind to see what was going on. And I couldn't identify with how, with that level of intensity. Um, but she has gotten bet- a better handle of her emotions as she has gotten older. Older, right. And um, so that is that is one of the things that they, in terms of helping gifted children with mm-hmm. their emotional needs as well, because sometimes they they, they uh, there's another um, fear. It's called Dabrowski, who says that that giftedness, gifted children, um, they they present these super sensitivities or over excitabilities, whether it be psychomotor, psychomotor has to do with movement. Yes. So you know those children who are constantly moving, they mm-hmm. can't stay still. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be my second daughter. Jesse, in my um, case. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're very intellectual. Mm-hmm. They have, and, and not just inter- intellectual, but intellectual in terms of some of them ask some very strange questions. To young Out children. of the box, yes. Yes. So they ask a lot, of, they, they sometimes they seem obsessed with death they ask a lot about death and the grief that they would see in the world and physical mm-hmm. sickness beyond their years yeah beyond mm-hmm. their years mm-hmm. yes so i remember once my, my alina started to cry one day and she was hugging me and i'm like what has happened she's like you know i was just thinking about what what it's like for you to die i'm like oh my god oh lord <laughs> <laughs> very young mm-hmm. you know and so we would talk, so so sometimes our conversations could become a bit odd mm-hmm. um because i would allow them to share what is in their mind i don't of want course. them to hide to I stifle it Mm-hmm. Correct. I want them to feel free. Um, so do we talk a lot about death, dying, sickness, the state of the world, poverty. Um, I mean, and I try to keep it age appropriate. Right. I try as much as possible to shield them from sometimes a lot of the ugliness that exists in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they, ask, they ask a lot of questions about God, proving who he is, um, Jesus, his existence. And, and, you know, for parents who, who, who um, may not be very familiar with giftedness, some of these areas can be very intimidating and scary, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so the more I read about... Almost challenging. Characters. It's almost yes, like, yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. It, is mm-hmm. it is. It is. Because they don't, especially like my younger daughter now, it's a running joke with me now, but it wasn't then. <laughs> um, when I, when you, you have to be, she's very systematic in her thinking. She's very much like her dad. If you and it was look it, interestingly enough in doing research for this, my first daughter Ashka when she was three, I realized that their dad was gifted, mm-hmm. and um, and so it explained a lot about how misunderstood he had been when he was a child when right. he was in school. They probably say you're too rude. Go and sit down in the corner. <laughs> correct. Or they, or they think that you're questioning them or you're questioning their logic. That's it's right. Not that. It's just that. It's just that you need. Because of how you see things, you mm. need to understand in a particular framework. That's right. And so sometimes when I say something, I tell myself, no, Alina is going to question that because, you know, that is not logical. Mm-hmm. And by the time I count to two in my mind, she's like, but mommy, and I'm mm-hmm. here it comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, 
So even sometimes my choice of words, she's like, you know, that's that's maybe not the correct word you want to use there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, if a, if an adult hears these conversations, they were saying this child is yeah, is usurping your authority. Child. Yes, yes. Correct. You know, um. So, um. So you have that. You have the emotional aspect of it. Um. And so you find that that because of of the asynchrony in terms of their 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 overexcitabilities and for some of them their their um, becoming immersed in what they do and um, some of them um, as I said they're not concerned about achieving in the way that society thinks is acceptable mm-hmm. um, they are they are more concerned with being able to do what they love and and being able to um, so for instance if, if if the child is an artist. Um, they want to be able to give their time to that, you know, mm-hmm. not encumbered by anything else. Um, and so they may be a, become a little violent when they find that they're being um, interfered with in ways that are trivial right. or trivial to them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you find then that, that 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 that's the side of giftedness that people don't often know about. They just think about giftedness as being high ability. But it's also... Um, as I said, because it is it, for, 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 for some of them, because it is how their brains are structured and because it's based on um, their, their chemical makeup and their neurons, mm-hmm. it does give them a different kind of experience emotionally as well, yeah. which sometimes would stand out more. So you find that um, when you look at people like Albert Einstein and other gifted people, whether it be Beethoven, um, we look at them and we admire them, but when you read their lives, you find that their lives were very challenging mm-hmm. because they did not fit in with people. It was difficult for them. Yeah. And we tend to see the achievements, but we don't see the, the struggle. Yeah. Did. Yes, the struggle. And mm-hmm. I think for me, that is that is one of the things. I mean, I am I I I struggle with whether or not I should go and have them formally tested mm-hmm. um, because we we don't have a whole lot of experience with that here. Right. And reading about how they should be tested. You, 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 you should ideally have people who are accustomed to working with gifted children do any kind of assessment with them. It's not a regular assessment. Right. Um, because you can, the child can retreat um, the way that you test them. You can get the opposite results, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so I don't know if it's something I will ever do. Yeah, because, um, I mean, you're already, I think from what you're saying, you're already, the proof is in the pudding. And so your guide has to be the Lord to direct you as to how to deal with these children and to educate these kids exactly and to work with them as, you know, he gives you the wisdom and that he will do. That's for sure he will give you that. All right. So, well, let's talk now. You've talked about the different forms it has taken, right? Um, And how to identify it in a child from as young as the things that they would do, the things that they kind of inclined to do, etc. How do you teach that gifted child? So perhaps we have some listeners, um, whether they're homeschooling or not. How do you teach the gifted child? Because I remember with Matthew... In particular, when he was still out of school and even when he would go to like Sunday school in church, he had to be skipped a couple years, um, a couple times throughout our Sunday school because all of the information he just knew. Same thing when he was in his in the conventional school before I brought them in. He was always ahead. Both he and Andrew were always ahead of the of the curve, always ahead of the class. And many times in the case of the, the class, the teacher would either give them some extra work to do, which which was fine. That was in when they were before they were being homeschooled. Of course, when they came home, I could work with their pace, and that's one of the benefits, of course, of working with your children at home, educating them at home. But I remember in one particular instance, um, one teacher's way of dealing with their giftedness and 
um, their asking of questions. Now, of course, you know, you must discipline your children and train them in a way that even if they have to ask questions, they still must give Jack his jacket. You, they must still be respectful and honor the adults in their presence. So I know for a fact that that was not an issue. The child was not being insolent, was not being rude or anything. But the teacher's way of dealing with it was to say, shut up, shut up, you always know, or something like that. And Matthew was now 19 years old. And it was only last year, at the age of 18, that he confessed to me that one of the reasons why he was so awkward in, um, let's say, certain situations, right, when he had to be out in public and stuff. It's not because he was afraid of people or anything. It's that he didn't want to go through that humiliation he had gone through that time. And he wasn't trying to show off or anything of that nature. He was just going to answer. And, you know, there was a way because even when I was in school and Jimmy, the same thing, when he was in school, many times we our hands would go up and we knew something, right? And how our teachers, at least the experience I had, Everybody else besides Nikki, answer. Nikki, hold on. Let's give somebody else a chance. And that's okay. Because you could understand that, okay, yes, Miss knows that I know. A little proud there, but you know, Miss knows that I know. But to tell the child in that particular way was kind of disparaging. It was humiliating for him. And it actually affected him for many years. He never said anything about it. So you're right in being careful and even taking them to be assessed because sometimes people could do more damage. They could do more harm than good, you know, in dealing with these children. I mean, we're not making any excuse for children being rude and that kind of thing, guys. We're not saying that or being disruptive. We're not saying that. That's discipline issues. We need to deal with that. That's something separate and apart. But really and truly, if you have a child that's gifted, they're going to want to ask questions. You know, people that are old school, they may think, well, how the child is questioning, questioning. You see, right now in this age of information, this information age, these children have a lot of questions. And they think outside of the box. And they know things like the minute they come out of your womb, it's like they, they, they already know so many things, you know? That alertness and so forth. I've experienced that and I've seen other people's children the same way. These children born in this information age, is, they're completely different, you know? So I do hear what you're saying. But how do we teach whether we are homeschooling or not? What kind of tools do we need to invest in or even share with the teachers that are teaching our children for us? to help the gifted children, whether they're at home or they go out to public school? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, one of the one of the, the uh, things to do would be to be aware of some of their, so we can be aware of some of their strengths, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, of course, whether it be that they're uh, an enriched learner, so that there may be particular areas that they may gravitate towards um, mm-hmm. that they can be really good at. So to be aware, you know, to keep your eye on that and to see how that will manifest, or if they are an accelerated learner, um, to ensure that they have this constant supply of um, of material that they can have access to. Um, so, for instance, during this period of, of COVID-19, um, with my second, second the younger daughter, the one who's seven, um, she would have effectively read every appropriate book in the house that a seven-year-old could read. Okay, mm-hmm. and when I mean appropriate, I mean um, whether it is Charles Dickens or historical text, she would have read those and I felt that, okay, you can read this without being exposed to Shakespeare. I told her Shakespeare's hands off for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and 
so as soon as so, so this weekend when I was able to go to the bookstore, I got about four books for her. I said, okay, we can pay for ourselves with these books. And she read the books over the weekend. So I'm like, okay, I can't afford this anymore. Um, as soon as we're able, we must, because we, we were loosely attached to our library. Um, but we had sufficient resources at home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but now I realize that I can't, because I don't want to limit her. I don't want to say, okay, if I buy 10 books for you, um, let's, let's stretch the 10 books for the period of a week or a week and a half. Right. Because she can absorb the information really quickly, you know. Um, so, so look at that as well. So we will join the library where we can just borrow freely. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to maybe me giving her a screen, that was a consideration as well. But she, she tells me she prefers to have the hardcover books and to feel them and the texture. Yes. So they also, you know, um, mm-hmm. they have their own little idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. So we no, Fiona, I totally agree because, I mean, um, like I, I said it before on the podcast, uh, up to Brianna, Brianna's 12, she has a Kindle. Um, but the younger ones, I don't give them those types of tablets and phones and stuff to be on. I believe in the integrity and the virtue of holding a book in your hand. Um, not to mention it's less distracting. You could be more focused because when you have the tablets and ads are popping up all the time, the temptation is always there. So I figure if you're reading, right. read, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Focus on the reading. That's right. Um, so to, 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 to have the accelerated learner, have access, free access mm-hmm. to material, right? Um, also... Um, there may be apps or, or, or games, different things that you can use for them that really helps so that you are not the one who's constantly having to stimulate them. Right. I think that that was a little bit draining, <laughs> draining for mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. Um, for the past three months because they were, you know, I, sometimes I had to hide um, because there are only so many questions I can answer and there are only so many times I get to be into something and never thought about that. I really don't know, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she started, so this is the younger one, she started to get into languages. So Duolingo was perfect for that. Yes. She could experiment with German and some language. I can't pronounce the name that is really symbols. And mm-hmm. so her mind would just go crazy. Hebrew. Yeah. You know. And so you just say, okay, fine. You just go and what is interesting to you, you look at them, you, you, you know, you begin to learn them as you get older. You know, there may be one to maybe more interested in. Mm-hmm. And. You, we could see what you could focus on, you know. Yeah. So you really give them that that leeway. The, yes. the older daughter, she she really got into art, and so anime art, mm-hmm. and so she started to follow some of the videos. And her her drawings over a short period of time have really um, become very complex. Right. And for her, having not seen um, people of color in anime. Her, her anime representations became more um, sort of Caribbean okay. and colored in orientation. Oh, so wonderful. Yeah, anime girls with curly hair um, and brown skin. And I'll, I'll send you a couple please of pictures. Please do, please do. And I will see if there's some way that I could probably link it, um, maybe through Google Photos or something, to the podcast. Because ah, that's really fantastic. Okay. Yeah, that's really yeah. fantastic. That's something that I really, really, I mean, I can't sing the 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 praises of homeschooling because a lot of times unfortunately if you and if we have to be honest because some of these very gifted children and the two ways that you were able to scri- um, describe for us today they are bogged down or kind of bridled in in the system and they don't have the freedom to really express That's themselves correct. you yeah. know so they end up being very frustrated and it may show itself it may manifest in ways that are you know unbecoming you know yeah. and i think 
if we really do afford them the opportunity, they would really, really do so much better. I still maintain that some of the richest places on this earth would be the cemetery because so many gifted people are buried with their giftedness inside of them. You know, they never had the opportunity because the world and the system says, okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. You know, public school or private school, and that's it. But every child is marching to the beat of their own drum because they're all created to be unique. You know, yeah. none of them are cut. We have eight children in this household, came from the same two parents, same mommy, same daddy, and they're all so different. <laughs> it is amazing. Of course, you'll find similarities from here to there. But listen, they are all unique. And so one parenting style that worked for one will not work for another one. What you do with the boys, you can't do with the girls. How you talk today. And it's it, a lot of things that we are constantly trying to keep our head above water to deal with. There's a book that I got many years ago. I, bought, I purchased it off of Amazon. It's called The Way They Learn by Cynthia Ulrich Tobias. And I think that every parent should get their hands on a copy of that book because it, it elaborates on the various learning styles. And it basically also sh shows you the different characteristics. Maybe in one podcast, I will you know, share a brief synopsis of the book so that people could probably identify their children there. And of course, go and buy the book <laughs> so that you can dig a little deeper, you know, into how you can teach the, the child's learning style because they all learn differently. Yeah. So Fiona, I want to thank you. Is there anything else you want to say? I really want to thank you for sharing with us on giftedness because, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have this information. I mean, you've done a lot of research on the topic and, you know, we're not saying that the gifted child, no child is better than the other child, but it's good to understand how they think and the differences. Yeah. Because they, I, I will maintain they all, they're all gifted, right? It's just, it manifests in different ways. So anything you want to leave with us as we close? Yeah, just a couple of things. Um, also with giftedness, it, it, it has been found that you can have children who are twice exceptional. Mm -hmm. And the twice exceptional children are children who would have um, some of the characteristics or many of the characteristics of what, what you may see to be in the gifted profile. But sometimes it's masked by um, dyslexia or ADHD. Right. Or as a special need, mm -hmm. you know. And so that is something to look out for as well. Um, to be able to help those children who are twice exceptional, mm -hmm. and um, so also for 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 all children, all children need that safe space. You know, all children need um, to know that their parents are looking out for them. All children need um, that patience, yeah. and so for gifted children, they need even more of, more of it. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they need um, they need that support. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in their younger years, as they as they try to understand who they are um, and that, they, that natural assertion of, of themselves. Um, there, there is um, a website. It's called Seng, S-E-N-G. Mm -hmm. And so Seng's mission is to just really sort of educate families and communities where guiding gifted and talented children are concerned. Awesome. And so information can be found there. Or mm -hmm. Information can also be found on, on the National Association to Gifted Children. Um, that's at the USA site. Right. Uh, that one is a little more, um, it's a little, it tends a little more towards the sort of standard IQ type giftedness. Right. Um, but the information there is still quite good. Um, and there are um, so, and then there are some curricula that may work a little more for gifted children mm -hmm. um, because it allows them to, to sort of manipulate large volumes of information <laughs> beyond, like, say, a textbook 
program. Mm-hmm. So something like um, an unstructured use of sunlight, mm-hmm. where the children can have access to the books, maybe not to follow the schedule. Oh, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> that's exactly and, what I'm doing. Right, I've been looking. I've been looking at it again. Mm-hmm. Um, mix it with the classical approach. Right, right. Where you allow them a, a certain measure of, uh, well, uh, they'll need a great measure of flexibility mm-hmm. while they're pace, but also it allows you approaches where you can have an idea what kind of material mm-hmm. you can introduce to them. Yeah, the content also, is very rich as well, so by all means, I, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. There's a program called um, Beyond the Page, mm-hmm. and Beyond the Page is a mixture of... Um, of that liter- literature type approach um, that Sunlight does, mm-hmm. but it's also um, very scientific and very hands-on. Okay. Um, it is a little more expensive because because it is also, a, uh, there are few curriculum that, that say that gifted children can use them. Okay. So um, Sunlight doesn't necessarily say that. It can be used, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily specifically cater for gifted children. But move beyond moving beyond the page is one of those that says it can. It can. Okay. And um, there's another, let me see if I remember his name. His name, I think, is Michael Clay. I can't remember his last name right now. Mm-hmm. But he also has a program when I started doing some research. Um, he has a language program that caters to gifted children. Okay. And so when you buy the program, you can immediately, it's, it's just different. The approach is just different. Okay. So teaching vocabulary. Um, teaching spelling, you you from young you teach children about about the roots of language, the history behind language mm-hmm. because a lot of times times the children they want to know. Yeah, you know the building of the structure, looking at the Roman influence. So you know, it's not like okay you have these words and okay these are what the words mean. These are the rules. It's mm-hmm. very different from mm-hmm. that. Um, very for me it was very exciting. So one of the challenges as well too would be to tr- to to manage not becoming like a junkie, a curriculum junkie, <laughs> you know, as you try to to see what is a good fit um, for the child. Yeah. So as much as you are able to use things like the library, just I use encyclopedias, um, maybe hands-on, a lot of hands-on experiences. Mm-hmm. If you could find mentors for them to follow, right. you know, in their area. So these may be a little less expensive ways um, of filling that in, need um, that they have to, right. to learn. Okay, right. yeah. got you, got you. So thank you so much, Fiona. It was a pleasure as always. You can send me the links and I'll include them in the notes below the show, okay. right? Yeah. So that people can get more information if they so need it. All yeah. right? Okay, honey, thanks again. Have a good day. You too, Nick. Okay, okay bye-bye. bye-bye.